Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. He is a good God. I just know today that the Lord is for you. Amen. Amen. Say that with me. God is for me. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, God's for me. Amen. That makes you, actually, if you don't make you feel better, it should make your neighbor feel better. Amen. Amen. God is for you. He is on your side. He is a God that cares about us. He is a God that honors his word. Honors his word today. Many of you, many of us have uh, walked through some times that are difficult at times in our lives. You know, but the Lord, when we get saved and we start following Jesus, the Lord didn't promise us a bed of roses, does he? Amen. Amen. You're going to go through things in this life that you don't understand. You don't know which direction to take. But the promise of Jesus is his promise to us and to his disciples and me that are his disciples then, the disciples then and the disciples that we are now, is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. His promise is to go with you always, even until the ends of the earth. That is a promise that he is faithful to keep. Amen? Amen. 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 Such a great job. I want to take a moment and uh, tell the sound technicians and our media people and our worship team how good of a job they do. Come on, let's give them a good hand. Fixed problems. I don't know of anything that you get, even new things that you're not going to have to get up with. So I'm so thankful for them and their hard work. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, you know, uh, the first devil you have to kick out of the church is the sound devil. Every church I've ever gone in, and he kind of pokes his head in you know, every once in a while. And he is, he is, uh, but he is defeated. Today I wanted to encourage you for a few minutes here. If you can just turn me down over all a little bit. Uh, I want to encourage you just a few minutes this morning. And uh, last night we had a men's service. Thank you for all the guys, boys, and everybody's put that together. And thank you for our children's workers that work so diligently every week. Thank you for everybody that participated in children's ministry, uh, uh, outreach ministry, and participated in children's ministry every week. What's going on Wednesday night? The tie-dye, we had to move it from Wednesday and Thursday because of the the storms that were coming through Wednesday. It was just an awesome time. I didn't get to tie down the shirt, but I said, Miss Regina, is that your one year tie dyed? Okay, so that's just that's one that's been tied out in the past, right? So uh, they had such a good time in it. You know, it's a good thing for every once in a while for our church to come together and just fellowship together. It's a good thing, you know. The Bible says that He's made us to set together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So uh, I'm so thankful that those times we get spent. Thank you for uh, blessing my heart as a pastor yesterday. All the ones that participated in outreach at Candy Hill, uh, uh, Tiffany's family, her girls and her girl and boys participated yesterday in her family and Jerry and uh, Colin and myself and then Jason and Jerry and many others are working today. While we're having church here, they're having church at Candy Hill. Amen? And you say, well, Pastor, that's what the church looks like nowadays. The church shouldn't just be acclimated to what's in these walls. 
The church has got to go outside these walls. So how many is going to believe me and agree together for a harvest of souls there and people to be encouraged? I got to pray with numerous people. I know uh, Tiffany's family got to pray with numerous people yesterday. And I believe that God is making an impact through the kingdom. Guess what, church? If it wasn't for your faithfulness and giving, we wouldn't be able to do that. So pat yourself on the back and say, hey, you know, God uses me. And I'm going to be calling on many more of you. I know everybody's coming. Don't look at Pastor Rex. He'll volunteer you for Tanny Hill Trade Days and Outreach. You know, he'll, he'll just sign you up. So Amen. thank you for all of those that participated. But I have a word today that I feel like that will encourage you. How many of you have been through some stuff that sometimes you don't understand and you wish you could just get out of it? Come on. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we've been in that for a year. We ought to be this. We wish we could get away from COVID and all the things we've had to deal with and the loss and the hurt there and all the uh, things that we're, we deal with every week. You know, we've been in a season of, of loss and struggle. But the Bible tells us that we're going to go through those struggles. But the awesome part of it is God is still blessing us. So today I want to talk to you for a moment, if I can, out of 2 Samuel chapter 3. In verse 39, how many just know that if you're a, G, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, how many followers of Jesus do we have here? Come on. We ought to be proud that we know Jesus Christ today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and y'all don't have to forgive me because I make a horse. I was doing all kind of notes last night. I could have sang bass. So I know it's probably the pollen. So y'all going to help me out today. But last night, how many just know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? You have what you call in your life called an anointing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just know and remember the Old Testament when they got ready to anoint a priest or a king, that would pour oil over the head. That was symbolic of anointing. How many of us know that when we're in worship today and we're worshiping the king, that Jesus, the, the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enters the room and he pours an anointing on us? How many just know that your worship means something today? That your worship, when you're driving down the road, when you're washing dishes, uh, Amanda, when you change your dirty diapers or cleaning up after the kids for the 28th time, they come on, Misty, come on, these mamas. Let's give these mamas a good hand clap this morning. When these mamas are doing what they're doing every day, we're doing that unto the Lord. That is called worship. Amen? He said, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all unto the name of the Lord. Amen? And for his glory. So I want to talk to you about David. We're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 2, uh, chapter 3 and verse 39. We're going to read this verse together. And it said, David saying these words. He said, and today, though I am anointed king, I am weak. And these, the sons of Zeruiah, are too strong for me. May the Lord repay the evildoer according to their evil deeds. How many ever prayed that before? Get them, Jesus. <laughs> We ain't got no get them Jesus anointing in here before. Nobody's ever been in their lives when you're going through something or somebody's come against you and you're like, go get them. You know, I like going over to Misty's and, and Brian and Gina's because uh, Bella's over there. Bella's my favorite dog. I'm adopted. If they ever get tired of Bella's coming to my house, okay? Because me and Bella, Bella likes for you to throw the ball. And all you got to do is do this and she's already gone. And she's so fast that she's going to catch that ball after one hop. A lot of times you don't throw it fast enough. She's going to snatch it up out of the air yeah. because she's ready to go. How many of us know today that God is calling his church in the last days 
to be able to catch it on one hop. Come on. How many of us know that God is calling us to change our world? Come on. Yeah. How many of us have been through some stuff? Let's be real. You got some baggage. How many of you ever feel like some days you get up in the morning and you're totally big? Everybody ever seen these ladies when they get ready to go on a trip? We're going to get really normal here this morning. They got to put everything they own in, one, in two bags and three bags. Jordan Boyd had just finished building a house, and I noticed that Boyd has one little corner. Jordan's already told us that. We were looking at their house walking through the other day. Thankfully, uh, I know they're excited. They get to move in this week. And uh, I know, let's give the Lord a hand clap and praise for that. That's a blessing. I know, they, I know they're excited about it. But Boyd's going to have one little corner, and Jordan's going to have all of her shoes and everything. Because that's what they do. The girls have shoes, right? Right, asking, they have shoes. I've heard stories. They have shoes. That's what ladies do. But you know, we guys, we need, what, what, two good pairs of shoes, right? Sunday shoes and our other shoes, right? That's what we do. But the bottom line is, we have... We have blessings in our lives and we have things in our life that God's given to us, but we have to make room for them. So David was going through a difficult time in his life. He was struggling and he said these words, and today I am anointed king, but I am weak. David went through many mountaintop valleys and pit experiences. Yet Acts chapters and, and, and Acts, it tells us that the Bible tells us, and I think it's in Acts 30, 13 and 22, the Bible tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. That God, when he spoke of David, he said, this is a man that's come to me and he's after my own heart. So David was a man after God's own heart, but David was a man who had some colossal errors in his life. Everybody say, uh-oh. Everybody on the sound of my voice, whether you've been living with Jesus two months or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, you've had some uh-ohs in your life. You've had some situations that you've dealt with and you've had some problems that you've come across that you didn't see a way out. But in the process of the struggle, in the process of the valley grind, God is doing something in us and through us. Isn't that what the song we just sang? You know, when we start singing these songs, we need to start believing these songs. We need to start quoting these songs because the majority of our worship songs, about 60, 70% of it is scripture we're singing, right? That's the reason they're so powerful through scripture. We're agreeing and singing and proclaiming the word of God. But David was going through something. David had Commander Abner and Joab and they were trying to take a country that was divided and put it back together. And they had secretly made a covenant to, to join the nation of Israel that was divided in half. Does that sound familiar to like America right now? Yeah. They secretly made a covenant to put a nation back together and it all backfired. And one killed the other. Because he was jealous of what happened to his brother. And the Bible says that he killed Abner. And what happened was the whole thing blew up in his face and David found himself back at square one again. I thought this was going to be settled and my nation was finally going to be united and we was going to be accomplishing for God's kingdom what he wanted to accomplish. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been on that road and everything's going good and all of a sudden, boom, it all gets divided and all gets shaken up. And things don't happen the way 
we think they ought to have it. Listen, David was a man after God's own heart. David was a worshiper. The Bible said he was gifted in playing musical instruments and worship. David danced before the Lord and his wife, own wife, made fun of him because he was dancing in the spirit. And she says, you look like a fool. And David just ignored her and kept worshiping. David was a worshiper. Let me tell you something, church. The greatest attack of the enemy today against his church, I want y'all to hear me today, is he wants to take away your worship. He wants to rob you of your worship. He wants to take away your song. The Bible says with joy, draw water from the wells of salvation. Listen to me, church. I don't care if you just started this thing or you've been in this thing. We should have some joy if we know Jesus. Come on. It doesn't matter my circumstances. Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of, of the New Testament from a prison cell, eating things rat, what rats wouldn't eat, not even having a proper bathroom to go to, having to use the bathroom in the corner. But Apostle Paul didn't count it as, as a loss. He counted it as an all joy that he may continue the gospel. You say, well, Pastor Rex, I've never had to do that. I've never been in prison. I've never been up to where I couldn't go and couldn't do. But let me tell you something. God will take those situations in our lives and he'll do something in you and through you in those situations. A lot of times he'll teach us things. He'll have us. So David's in a predicament. But God has called us to be different. David was different. I remember the story. I used this illustration last night teaching Preaching to the men last night. David was a little boy. How do you remember the story of David and Goliath? We've heard it all our lives. But David was out in the field. How many of you know that there was fixing to be a new king of Israel anointed? And when the prophet came in the room, Jesse's house, Brother Keith, David wasn't even in the room. That's how much his dad thought of him. And I'm going somewhere. Somebody needs to hear this today. David was not even in the room when the prophet walked in to choose a king of Jesse's sons, an anointed king. But can I tell you, you don't even have to be in the room because if God puts his favor on you, come on church, y'all help me today. Favor ain't fair. You know what the prophet said? Oh, all these sons, you just saw all the sons you got. And Jesse said, yes, this is I no. I got one more. He's out tending sheep. He's out there picking off fleas off sheep. He's out there doing the mother. He's out there doing things that nobody, his brothers, his, his brothers are warriors. They're, they're uh, soldiers in the army. And David's out there just taking care of daddy's sheep. Can I tell you something? Even though David was out there in the field, he thought he was forgot about. God was about to call him into the room. Come on. God was about to change David's life forever because in the mundane, I'm talking to you mamas today, in the mundane of cleaning up poopy off the floor again and cleaning up a stinky diaper and baby's whining and crying again and you ain't had any sleep in days. Can I tell you the greatest worship you can have is to love on those babies. Come on. The greatest gifting that you can have is to be able to love on those kids and teach them the word of God and show them what a godly mom and come on people, show them what a godly mom and dad. That's the greatest ministry. You know, I can have a million converts. I can have a platform today, Regina, to preach to the thousands, but the first converts of my ministry should be my son and my daughter. Thankfully, that's happened. God has blessed me with that. So I challenge you parents today. What are you doing for the kingdom? First of all, you need to make sure your children know Jesus. Yeah. And that they see Jesus in you. The second thing you need to do is teach them that they are evangelists. Yeah. 
I love the stories of little kids like Tiffany's kids. I'm gonna brag on your kids, your family for a little bit because you're doing you and David are doing a good job by the way. Parents don't hear that a whole lot nowadays, do they? They hear what they're doing wrong. But those little kids that hand a wristband and a frisbee, and they say, here's our church information, here's your frisbee and a wristband, and home here's the information, and we'll pray for you too. It's called evangelism. The same spirit that was on John when he preached, the same spirit, spirit that was on uh, John the Baptist when he preached and prepared the way of the Lord is on our children today. See, evangelists, Jesus calls us to say as Christians to be evangelists. That's not an option. To go into the highways and compel them to come in, that's a command, that's not an option. It's become an option to our churches and the reason our churches are stagnant and dying and, dying and dried up and blowing away is because we forgot about evangelism and we just want to look good on Sunday mornings. We've forgotten what evangelism looks like. Evangelism's dirty. Evangelism is at the drug rehabs. That's what we have. evangelism happens. Evangelism happens at the homeless shelters. Evangelism happens on the street when somebody is given such as a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord. That's called evangelism. When little kids learn to the power of prayer, they see you praying for other people and they see you praying for your spouse, mom and dad. When they see you not arguing and they see you love one another through it and they see you care about each other. David was there. He was saying, Lord, my whole plan is blown up. I am weak. But I'm still anointed. Somebody needs to hear me today. You may be weak. You may be, I know I've been there in the last few weeks myself. I've been through this lull in my spirit, Regina, where I didn't think I could get out. But can I tell you, the Lord would remind you, remind me in my, in my prayer time and in my driving time. You may be weak, but you're still anointed. Come on, somebody help me today. I may not have to see the whole plan. I may not do everything right every day, but God's hand is still on my life. I may be weak, but I'm still anointed. Hallelujah. Yeah. A lot of times we forget that the plan that God has for us, he will do it until the day of redemption. He just don't start and stop. He's not a God that he can quit anything. The Bible tells us his promises are yes and amen. That means yes and so be it. So his promises is to us is to take us somewhere. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 9. Let's read this together. It says, And you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God, and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, acceptable to God, through Christ Jesus. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people. Somebody said, I'm chosen. Somebody said that when you said church, I'm chosen. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Say, I'm a priest. And that what the scripture says? A holy nation, a people belonging to God that may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. That means when I walk around, I don't need to walk around right with my head down because I don't know somebody. I know Jesus. I know somebody. Come on. I know the author and the finisher of how I think. I know the first and the last, the beginning and the end, Alpha and Omega. I know him. 
I'm a part of a royal priesthood. I'm just going to preach myself happy. Y'all can go ahead and check out. If you want to, I'm going to preach right here. I am a royal priesthood. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I can do all things. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. You say, well, Pastor, that's not pride. That's the anointing of God in your life. That's agreeing with what God already proclaimed in the word. Come on. It's more sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword. It cuts to the inmost being. That's the reason when we share braces that has Jeremiah 30, 17, it tells them, I will, just, will heal your wounds, saith the Lord. That's what that scripture says. I will restore to you the joy of your salvation. I will heal your wounds. Tell me this world don't need healing, church. You say, well, Pastor Rex, what does the church do? We do what Jesus tells us to do. It's like my brother preached last Sunday, a very time of work, it's go time. It's not time to sit down, let's go time. It's time for the church to stand up and tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Yeah. It's time for the church to be the church. Yeah. The spirit of the enemy, the Antichrist, wants the church to be quiet. Yeah. It wants us to continue to retreat. Yeah. But there's no retreat, there's no victory in retreat, church. Yeah. It's go time. Yeah. It's time for the church. To be who God has called us to be. It's time for the church to raise its sword and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Revelation 1 and 6. Revelation 1 and 6 says it's this. To him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by his blood, he has made us the kingdom. He has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. To him who loves us and who has freed us. Who has freed us. Romans tells us there is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. We were dead in the trespasses of our sins, yet Jesus saw us in the brokenness of our sin and he made a way on the cross. Of Calvary that we can have life and have it to the full. Does somebody else need to know that? Does somebody else need to hear that story? There's a lot of people yesterday walking by Tannehill and they saw that banner, Restoration Church, and our logo. It says, We believe in the power of prayer. How can we pray for you today? I've seen a lot of people doing this. Walking away, but I also seen some people that did this. I've seen people do this. Take money out of pocket and say, this is money that came yesterday. It says, what are you doing for the kingdom? I wish our church was doing that. Wow. I'm going to tell my church what you're doing. Wow. Did you realize how many thousands of people can go through Tanny Hill State Park on a trade day? Wow. You know I mean? Thousands of people. And you say, well, Pastor Rex, all that stuff cost us money. Mm-hmm. All that stuff cost us money. But let me tell you, if he's giving us that money, we're just stewards. We don't own anything. Right. And if we'll give it away, God will provide more. Right. And you say, well, Pastor Rex, we kind of plateaued out. We're not growing like we used to. That's because we need to reach more people. Come on. This thing called discipleship has to continue to cycle through. But I've seen some people come up, and I had people come up to me, and a beautiful couple come up to me yesterday. They actually uh, uh, came up to Colin and Jerry first and says, you know, can you pray for us? And I seem to hear you over I didn't know what to pray for, but I know once I got there, the Holy Spirit said, you just begin to proclaim healing over their health. 
That's the reason we need this thing called the Holy Spirit because he'll speak to us. The Bible says he'll lead you into all. Isn't that what Jesus said? I'm going away, but the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to lead you into all truth. That's what Jesus said. That's, that's not something that I get spiritual cheer or somebody running in the aisles or somebody speaking in tongues. Yes, that's the gift and the, and the manifestation of the Spirit. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit will wake you up at night and tell you to get on your knees and pray for somebody, how to pray for somebody, and give you a word to give somebody who's holding on by their last little thread. Come on. That's the Holy Spirit. It goes beyond some people, the way people have called us snake handlers and all this thing, and, and that we're fanatics. Let me be a fanatic for Jesus. Let me be called a fanatic for Jesus Christ. Because I was tore up from the floor, Brian. I had no hope. I was battling depression when Jesus found me. Let me be a fanatic for Jesus. He changed my life. He set my feet on a solid rock. He saw me like he saw Peter. Peter, you rock. And upon this rock, yeah. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right. He didn't see Peter where he was, a vulgar out, old dirty sailor. He saw Peter that would be preaching and thousands coming to the Lord and his little shadow would heal people. Yeah. That's called anointing church. But anointing's going to be, sorry if I preach right here, man, anointing's going to cost you something. Mm. It's going to cost you some friends. It's going to cost you some looks. It's going to cost people to go, well, let's see if I can get close to this creek. I can't let I fall in this. I don't get close to the church people. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know what watch them come by, Brian? I watched some of the same people come by. And the next time they come by, they'll say, well, that's a nice man. How y'all doing today? And all we're doing is saying good morning. In a beautiful day today. You know what we're doing? We're, 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 we're giving them a little joy. Did you know how many people walk in there yesterday needing a little joy, needing a smile? That's the reason we need the joy of the Lord in our heart. That's the reason, you know, a lot of times we can't tell people about Jesus because we're too busy trying to get the gravel out of our lips and driving and dragging the parking lot. They walk around, bless God, God's good to me. God's so good to me. I wish he'd get me out of this right now because he's just not good at all. Lord, you're good, but I'm not. I'm not good, but he is. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm not good, but he is. That's what David said. David said it like this in Psalm 37, 5. He says, I am old now, but I have been young. And David said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have seen David for Yeah. David was an old man, and he had seen a lot of water going to the bridge, Brian. But one thing he hadn't seen is his God let his people down. Can I tell you today, some of you have been battling some things that I, none of us know, but can I tell you today, he will not let you down. He will not forsake you or leave you. He just begin a good work and you will complete it until the day of redemption. Not because I say it, because the word of God says it. So David's there. David's whole military scheme and plan, Brother Keith, is blown up. But he said, I am weak, but I'm anointed. And I'm talking to somebody today. You feel weak. You feel worn out from the battle, but you're still anointed. Because we're sealed into the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's beginning a good work in you will complete it. Circumstances don't define my future. Come on. Some of us need to understand that when we fail, God is not final. It's not fatal. It's just a failure. 
And if Jesus himself told you, I told people that you need to forgive not seven times seven, but 70 times seven in one day. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. The why, why do we not think, Brian, that God can't forgive me 70 times today if he needs to? Come on. Right. If he's given us the example, he is the example. Right. Apostle Paul said it like this, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that what he said? Mm. He told Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. Your grandmother and your mother planted it in your life. You forgot about it, Timothy, but you'll stir it up. I'll use you. Apostle Paul was getting ready to hand the baton to Timothy. He knew his race was being filled, being about to be finished. Uh, boy, he knew he was finishing the race up. He had to get ready to hand it on. People ask me all the time, Pastor Rex, why you got all these young people in your church allowing them to sing in the praise team? Bless God, they're not ready. Them young guys can't preach like they need to preach. And let me tell you something. If we're not willing to give what we got away, what we got's not real anyway. Amen. Amen. I don't want my church to look like other church. Number one, it's not my church. It's his church. I don't want my church to look like church. If we're waiting for people to get 70 years old or 50 years old to serve, come on. I want these young people to find joy in serving Jesus. I want these seven and eight year old kids to find joy in serving Jesus and sharing Jesus. I want them to understand the power and the blessing that comes with showing somebody else Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Rex, how do I show people Jesus? First thing we need to do is turn that frown upside down. Amen. We learn to smile. I, I went a few weeks ago, I'm going to brag on Amanda a little bit. I went to a few weeks ago to the uh, little man, David's birthday party. First thing she did is make me feel working while I come to her house. I mean, no, preacher's kind of odd man out sometimes. You know? Then Faith made me welcome. Faith was there. Then Chad was sitting there. He made me welcome, started talking to me about things that we taught me to talk about, hunting and fishing and stuff, right? You know, made me feel, next thing you know, they're bringing me cake and ice cream. You know, I guess they think I need to eat some more. Because <laughs> you know what I noticed about this little mama? Even though she had a big birthday party and all kind of family and friends in her house, she had a smile on her face. Because you know something, little boys, man, they're going to remember that mom's smile. Yeah. They're going to remember that mom's tenderness. Right. You know, this young man over here is 20 years old. He's going to be 21 years old in two or three months. Right. But he still loves his mama. These things that daddy can talk to him about, but when he's really down and out, he just wants to go talk to mama. Yeah. That makes me mad. <laughs> there was times in my life when she's gone on to be with Jesus now, and I miss her more and more every day, but I don't still want to pick up that phone. And I still want to hear her voice. I want to hear, this is what she called me. She called me Bink. I don't know why she called me Bink. Well, was this, my sister said I was a creepy clown when we were little kids. He's not even Binky the clown. I guess I was creepy like the clown. I don't know. But she would call me Bink. And a lot of times when mom was sick, we find out she had Alzheimer's. She, we would call her just to check on her and talk to her, you know, encourage her and talk to her. And we'd go see her. And I find myself a lot of times wanting to pray for mom because I'm one of the Lord healer. I didn't want to see her go through that. But a lot of times I find myself calling mom to encourage her and she'd be praying for me. Yeah. That's real. Amen. That's stuff that made a difference, didn't it, Stan? Yeah. 
we're where we're at today because we got a lot of that good praying. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. When we were doing our thing, she still loved us. <laughs> you know why she could give away love? Because she knew who love was. She knew the source of what love was. She knew about him. She knew about what who Jesus was. And she knew he called. She would tell me as a teenager when I was out trying to do my thing and wanted to go out on Friday night. I, I could say a fast car, but I never had a fast car, so I couldn't buy that. I had one that's fast to pull over on the side of the road. And I had one of them Fords. You know what Ford stands for, don't you? Fix and repair daily. That's the one I had anyway. It had a special anointing. Take my money out of my pocket when I get paid to buy another car. I had old Ford Granada, one of the ugliest cars. I mean, we're not even going to go into that. One of the ugliest cars that's ever been. Went zero to 60 in two and a half minutes. It's not fast. It's not fast. Well, my mom would always tell me when I come in at night, when I thought I was sneaking in, we lived on a hill. Our door bedroom door was on the very end of the house. And I'd turn that car off and I'd get to the top of the hill because I was late. And I'd kick it up in neutral and turn the lights off because I could see enough, hoping I could see nothing. I'm not going to create banks on both sides. So I'm hoping that, you know, if I do hit the bank, I'm not going to hurt the car. Probably do. So I get to the top of the hill and I turn it off and turn the lights off. I get it set up on the hill where our driveway was, and I make sure it's in the park. I get in, I ease in the door. She did. My daddy's in there. <laughs> but she's new. Yeah. Ease the door too. She's the one's always squeaking, you know. I ease the door too. And I could hear mom. Praying in the spirit. Yeah. <clears throat> Talking to the Lord in that heavenly language. Yeah. And then she would come back to herself, praying in her own mind, and she would say, Lord, you saved my boys and my kids. Your call was on their life. You bring them in. You bring them in. You use my family. You let my kids be what they want to be, what you need them to be for your family. Church, I'm not trying to jerk your heart. I'm just telling you what we do as parents and what we do as followers of, of the kingdom means something. Mm -hmm. And those prayers don't go unanswered. That's right. So somebody under the sound of my voice come in this room today thinking what I'm doing for the kingdom don't mean anything. But can I tell you, there's a God in heaven says that you mean everything. Yes. You mean everything to him. You mean everything to him. I was thinking about none of this is in the notes, by the way, but y'all used to that by now. I was thinking about the song uh, that I heard a while back. Old, old song, probably 20 years old now. But that's the group called Avalon sang the song. And those lyrics goes like this, and it reminded me of my life. It said, I grew up in Sunday school. I memorized the golden rule. Jesus came to set the, the, the captive free. I know his story inside out, and I can tell you all about the man, the path that led him up to Calvary. Every time I hear this voice, I can't think about helping to think about me. The next verse says, But ask me why he loves me, and I don't 
even understand. Mm. I never understand why he changed my life the day he came everything to me. He's more than a story, more than words on a page of history. He's the air that I breathe, the water I thirst for, mm. and the ground beneath my feet. Mm. Yes, he's everything, everything to me. And I tell you today, church, <laughs> until he becomes our everything, we're not fulfilling what God wants for our life. Until he becomes our everything, our lives don't matter. That climbing up the corporate ladder don't matter. You know what matters is that we fulfill the plan that God has for our lives. So, Pastor Rex, what is that plan? The Bible says to seek justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. That's all of it in a nutshell. To seek justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. David was in a predicament. David didn't know what to do. David didn't. Another story, David's being pursued by Saul. David already knows that he's anointed to be king. Anybody know what's happened to Saul? So Saul's rebelled against God. An evil spirit has come into Saul. And Saul is pursuing David and his followers to kill him. David's held up in a cave, running from Saul with nowhere to go. And Saul and his men are pursuing David. Saul goes to use the restroom. And David and his followers are following Saul. Saul's the king of Israel at this time. David is able, his followers, his army, tells David, there's Saul. You got him. You can take him out now. <clears throat> Instead of him pursuing you, you can get him right here. Mm -hmm. David gets as close enough to him, to Saul. The Bible says he takes his knife. And he cuts a part of Saul's cloak off. Then he holds it up and he gets a safe distance and he says, Hey, Saul, I'm going to paraphrase you. I was close enough to kill you, but I've done you no wrong. You're anointed king. And I'm using this as an illustration today. A lot of times when we're going through tough things and people are making accusations, anybody ever been? Talking about you and running you down. Saying things, come on. If you don't believe it happened, don't be a preacher. It's going to happen. Don't be a follower. You don't even have to be a preacher or not. People can talk about you. That's what Jesus said. So Saul said, uh, David tells Saul, he said, hey, I was close enough to cut your cloak. But you know why David, when he got close enough to cut Saul's cloak, why he didn't kill him? Because he was a man after God's own heart. God's will meant more to David than killing his enemy. And I said all that to say this. Church, hear me today. We got an enemy. He's called Satan. And you may be getting beat up by him right now, but he's going to give you a moment to cut his clothes off. Come on. He's going to set you up. But will you hear the voice of the Lord and hold out? That's what David did. And he said, hey, could have killed you. But I didn't. You know why? Because David wasn't going to touch God's anointing. He was still king. David knew the curse that come on him if he touched God's anointing. And David knew God's promise to him. I said all that to say this this morning, church. God's made a promise of your life. You're in a covenant relationship with Jesus. 
He will see that you were rewarded when he wants you to. You may be out in the field picking fleas off sheep like David was as a young boy, but God chose to tell the prophet, hey, the man ain't in the room. Ask him if he's got another son. Because the king is not in the room. And you may be out in the mundane doing mundane. I'm talking to somebody today. You may feel like you're doing mundane things, but when I tell you when the anointing comes in the room, he's going to call you in. You say, well, Pastor Rex, you know, I, I, it was prophesied over us in the year 2001, 2000, excuse me, 2003, that we would come to Tuscaloosa. We were in a service, revival service one night. God called me out. I didn't know him from anybody. He called me out. He says, God told me to tell you that he's about to move you. Actual story, Misty. And my land, my family, my healthy little children at the time. Had all the things set up. Had a job. Jennifer had a job. We were working in the church. Youth pastors in the church. She was a children's pastor in the church. Probably had it all put together. And a man of God come to me one night and said, God told me that he's about to move you. He's about to put you in a place and one day you're going to pastor. You know what I did? I laughed. I said, hmm. That's what I told God. I would love him. As a pastor. I'm talking, I'm thinking this in my mind. Two years later, I was being hired to say it again. Six months later, we were moving to West Point Green Hall. You know what I knew? I knew that he was doing good work and he was completed with other dads eventually. Wherever he took me to, that's where I was going to go. And for the first three years while we was here, I was so miserable because I wanted to be back home with my family and my friends, but God wanted me here. Mm. And he just didn't drop us here, but he put us in a church. I worked in the church, had a guy call me one day. I actually stayed over, stayed over here when the church guy called me, just a friend of mine. He said, uh, somebody told me that you're in Tuscaloosa now, and uh, I know a couple churches that need some, some help. Tell me about church. He said, go check it out. Next thing you know, we worship pastors and youth pastors are rotting our ways. But I felt so unhappy. Every day, every Sunday I got up there, I'm like, I hope these people don't know. No, don't know that I don't really know what I'm doing. I know about music, but I know they're not really quiet. Next thing you know, we spent four and a half, five years there. I get a call one day. Anybody remember Ken Shell? Ken Shell called me out of the blue. Second church of visiting was here. Ken Shell called me one day and said, Pastor, how you doing? Been, we've been knowing each other for years. He said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but bear with me a minute. I owe somebody money or something. And he said, The Lord, give my mama a drink. Anybody remember Sister Carolyn? She made her. Praise Ellen's mom. Right. Serving the Lord. The Lord's give my mom a dream. She won't let me off the hook until I call her. Tell her that you're going to be, uh, you might be interested in leading worship. And I'm going to show you how God works. That evening, I come home and Jordan told me, we were right my ways enjoying life. I was working up the ladder at Mercedes. 
is when he said, Dad, I had a dream. But God said, we're going to be the moon of us. He's about to move with us. The next three weeks, I couldn't sleep. Mom. That's what, how God speaks to me. So if I come in here and talk to you on Sunday morning, you know that God's going to talk to me and preach it. Mm -hmm. He just wants to sleep. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't uh, sleep. But she had another dream. She said, Pat, she said, Dad, I had another dream. God said that we need to be open to God moving us. Does that mean he's going to move? I began to cry. And then she had Brother Shelton and I had dinner together and talked about the church. She might remember that day we came in here. That Sunday. Uh, Tandy and Brother Shelton says, we don't have to commit to anything. Kids were out of town. We were secretly, we were all secret about it. Kids were at Jennifer Monday. We came in. I'm going somewhere with this. I promise you. We came in that Sunday, that Sunday, and we sang. The kids were at the grandparents, and we sang. I knew. When I walked to that pool pit, Junior, to sing, you know what was in that pool pit? My Bible. Wow. I thought I had lost. We had sang four years earlier in a Bible here in our choir, like my days at Sunday. My Bible that I thought I left on top of the car was down on the side of the road somewhere. My black one that y'all see me have a lot of times in the pulpit. When I opened my Bible up, Brother Shelton, I said, Brother Shelton, he just giggled, you know, Brother Shelton, his quiet way. I opened that Bible up and I went home. You know, it was marked in saying, The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. There you go. No matter where you're at today. Y'all know the story from there. No matter where you're at. If you feel like you're in the pit today or you feel like you're on the mountaintop, he knows where you're at. Mm -hmm. He's got a plan and a purpose, Dawson. No matter what other people say about you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. No matter what people talk about you, put you down. Mm. You're a mighty man of valor. Yeah. Stand up, mighty man of valor. Doesn't matter. Stand. Doesn't matter how many people that wrote you off. Assured that he's going to give you the desires of your heart in his time. 